1: So you're here because you want to know modern, vintage, everything in the world of card collecting today. Chuck, he's the collector, and Joe, he's the dealer, welcome you to the best card talk that covers it all. From the hottest new cases to 67 high numbers, all brought to you by Oxygen Financial. Breathe easier about life with Oxygen Financial. Visit OxygenFinancial.net and buy. Sports Card Investor, the leading source for videos, podcasts, and articles about investing in sports cards. Profit from the hobby you love by visiting SportsCardInvestor.com. Collector. Dealer. Take it away.
2: The PSA shutdown and how it affects you. It is The Collector and the Dealer, episode 39. I'm Chuck Oliver. I'm the collector. He is Joe Davis. He is the dealer. Joe, how you doing today, man?
3: Doing great, Chuck. Having a great morning. Looking forward to lots of lively talk today. I think we got a great guest coming up today, too.
2: Absolutely, we do. We are brought to you each week by Oxygen Financial. Oxygenfinancial.com. Visit there. Breathe easy about your financial future. That is certainly my wife and I. uh, Several years ago, as a matter of fact, probably five, six years ago, We switched all of our uh, financial concerns and needs and services uh, to oxygen financial. That's everything from taxes to uh, insurance, retirement, um, legal concerns, all of that oxygen financial. And we certainly do breathe easier, especially after what's going on the past year and a half or so. Uh, So shout out and thank you to Tyler and Ted and everybody again, my personal choice. And now we do the collector and the dealer. I want as many people as possible to know about Oxygen Financial. Just really, really good folks over there. Uh, we're also brought to you by Sports Card Investor. A lot more about that in just a bit. But uh, Joe, our story, in case this is the first episode people have listened to, we happen to grow up just a few miles from each other. Uh, I am a year older than Joe, and I started collecting in 75, 76. For me, that was second grade. Uh, Joe, again, collected about the same time. Well, I grew up and continued to be a collector. Joe has been a dealer full-time for 30 years he's had a storefront uh even through the tough times kept it always and now does big business online uh Joe if I left anything out add it as well as how people can get in touch with you for things like product yeah
3: Chuck they can reach us on the web at gotbaseballcards.com that's g o t baseballcards.com, and of course they can also follow our YouTube channel under the same name got baseball cards and on Facebook got baseball cards so Pretty easy to find on the web. We uh, like to provide some uh, nice YouTube content and uh, articles on the website and so forth. So happy to uh, help customers and collectors any way that we can.
2: Okay, I was lucky enough to uh, be at your store, uh, the actual bricks and mortar, I'm going to say probably half a dozen times during football season. And every time you have an employee, Steve, uh, I only saw him do one, time, one thing every time I was there. He was sitting at a desk with a mouse logging cards in for, for y'all to submit to PSA. Uh, yep. It was a large part of your business. Steve is not doing that right now. Um, give the bottom line of what your personal environment, your experience with PSA was uh, as far as submitting cards and customers relying on you. And now what has happened over the last couple of weeks? Because PSA, they shut down all, but I think the most expensive two services maybe?
3: Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, PSA shut down everything below the Super Express level. Uh, So we have had to shift gears quickly. Uh, They've shut down tentatively until early July as they're trying to work on the backlog to get more shipments back out to customers rather than devoting employees to just checking in new shipments coming in. So... I'm hoping they have moved a bunch of uh, employees over. And uh, so we have actually already started to see a number of shipments. I think we got back a dozen shipments last week alone. So that's a positive sign that they're working on the backlog. As far as our day-to-day, yeah, we have now shifted. Um, we At one time, we had about five employees, and their only focus was PSA submissions coming and going.
2: Oh, so it wasn't just Steve?
3: Oh, no, no. We had a whole crew, the wow. PSA team, uh, now we've shifted. We have one employee who's dedicated to just uh, his primary responsibility is submitting BGS submissions now. Uh, and we have two employees, uh, Steve and Kyler, are both working on CSG submissions as we've been getting a little bit more uh, CSG than BGS so far. But we are handling submissions for both companies and I have no problem promoting either of them. I think they both. are are logical alternatives um, while there is no, you know, when you can't send anything affordably to PSA right now.
2: And let me ask, even in my neophyte understanding compared to you, my goodness, um, when it comes to grading services, uh, I know PSA, if you got it in a holder, nobody's going to question it, you know, and I'm talking about as far as how it compares to any other service, because you compare all other services and their values to PSA. I get that. Uh, There are cases, am I correct? There are cases maybe with a jersey card, an autograph card, maybe. In some cases, Beckett is actually preferred because of the four breakdowns and then the one main grade and the fact that you can get the black label is kind of cool. So there are some folks that consider Beckett the better choice for certain modern cards. Is that accurate? Yeah, the
3: one thing Beckett has going for them is the, uh, well, a couple of things that they do have the the auto subgrade is pretty much uh, a given that you're gonna get the auto. So it's like $2 additional to get the auto grade graded. So uh, that's a nice benefit. And then also there is the chance with a BGS submission that you can get a pristine grade, uh, a 10 on the Beckett scale is technically higher than a 10 on the PSA scale, at least the way they phrase it because they they call Jim Mint a 9.5 and pristine a 10 and then there's even one level above that, which is a black label pristine 10, which means all four subgrades yep. on the card that they assign also get a 10. Now, those do bring some serious change. And uh, it's very rare that you see them, but they do bring a premium. Uh, so there, there are some who um, like using Beckett for that reason. I've never had any, tra- even though we've been uh, hardcore PSA for a long time, I've had a great relationship with Beckett for the twenty some odd years they've been grading cards, and uh, their new president is a phenomenal guy, Jeremy Murray. Uh, I actually just talked with him just a few days ago about the changes in the industry, and uh, you know they're in it for the long haul. They're going to continue to provide good service to customers, and I mean they have a backlog too, uh, and it's much like PSA. You know, the more you pay, the faster the service you get. Um, but he told me that, you know, they, they had no desire to have to shut down. They want to try to continue to serve customers through this, uh, through this very strange period where PSA is not taking lower dollar submissions.
2: And just give us a very brief uh, opinion. And that's all this is folks, Joe ain't invested, but an opinion about the, I want to say the quote news grading service, uh, the comic book grading service. And you've said that it has a sterling reputation as far as, you know, action comics number one or whatever. Um, But obviously no one has much experience with them when it comes to grading cards.
3: Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is uh, CSG, they've been a part of the collectibles industry since the late 80s. So they are the number, their parent company, they're the number one grader in the industry for comics, CGC. They're also one of the top two graders in the industry for coins under NGC. They actually started grading not, uh, Pokemon and some gaming cards last year under the label of CGC, same for their same terminology they use for their comic division. Uh, and now they have launched a certified sports guarantee, CSG, they launched, they hired some of the, uh, I know at least one of each of the top graders from both BGS and PSA to help start the company as far as the grading side of it. Um, and so I, I have, I, I have a lot of confidence that they're gonna move up very quickly I think they could easily be in the top three within a year. Um, I think they uh, they'll be. right. I think. I mean, there are. I mean, I just looked last night. I was actually bidding on one of their cards. There was a Donovan Mitchell rookie orange parallel number to seventy-five, and I comped what it had sold for in BGS and the last one in BGS. I think it sold for six sixty in a BGS nine five. This was a CSG nine five, and I think it brought right at eight hundred. So. It actually oh. brought more more than a BGS had recently.
2: How about that? Um, all right. Well, you talk about a buzzkill, I'll be honest. Um, if I had a buddy of mine actually do this, uh, Panini Basketball just came out, right?
3: Uh, Prism. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Prism. Yeah, Prism.
2: Prism. You're a pr- Prism yeah. Basketball. Uh, he sent me a, a screenshot, or excuse me, a, a pick of he bought one pack, not a box. He bought a pack for $175, um, and he rips it. And he got a Lamelo ball rookie in it, and, and when he sent me the pack, Joe, I was like, "Whatever you do, don't open it." I was like, "That's you, you're it's 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 a scratch off ticket. Don't open it." Uh, right. He opened it, and he had a Lamelo base card in there. Um, in in normal times, like a year and a half ago, you could send it to PSA. You know, there's a forty five dollar a day service. There was an even faster service. And you could work the turnaround game like that and have it on eBay maybe within 60 days from the day you ripped it. What has the PSA backlog and now glut and now shutdown done to to that angle of the industry?
3: Yeah, it's definitely hurt uh, because there are some who are strictly PSA and they're like, great, what do I do with my cards for the next three months? I literally have. An inbox, my my inbox is full of people who said, "Can I go ahead and send you my cards for PSA and you hold them for the next three months?" And like, uh, no. I'm like, "No, like our safe is only so big to yeah. hold your cards. Like I, I'll let you know as soon as they're taking them again." And but we've got those customers who don't want to switch. You know, we we received thousands of cards in the few days after the announcement, and we had to contact each customer and say, "Hey, do you want to switch gears to go BGS or CSG?" And I would say about. 60 to 70% did roughly. Uh, But we had, you know, about about a third of them who were like, nope, uh, just send them back. I'll wait till PSA reopens. So, and it's hard. You're right. You pull that lamello. There was a running joke in the industry that PSA shut down the day before PRISM came out because they didn't want to handle the backlog of PRISM submissions they were going to get. So uh, it's, you're in a rock and a hard place because you either have to hold that card for three months or you go to a different grading service.
2: You know, in high school, I used to work at Domino's Pizza, and on Friday and Saturday nights sometimes there was something called pulling the phones when we would get so backed up, pull the phones, and they would just take all the phones off the hook. Um, yep. All right, that was a, like an $11 pizza. This is a company with literally tens of millions of dollars worth of cards if they could just process them and get them through. And I'm talking about their grading fees tens of millions of dollars and they just can't get to it uh to continue this talk uh, i know where we can turn we talk about him and his service every single episode on the collector and the dealer from sports card invest from sports card he is sports card investor it is jeff wilson jeff brother how are you chuck
0: doing great man
2: Appreciate you great. joining appreciate you joining me and Joe today. And uh, when the SCI app uh, debuted recently,, uh, we've talked about it quite a bit on the program here from our perspective. Um, how has it been received? What features are people digging?
0: yeah, it's it's great. It's I think first of all, people like the fact it's free. <laughs> That's never a yep. bad thing, right? It's in the app store. Um it's we designed it to really make it fun to see all of the different cards available for any player you could possibly collect. So if you go into the app and you, for example, like type in LeBron James, we've got over 300 different LeBron James cards that you can tap through. And it shows you the current price of every single one of those cards as well as uh, what those cards are currently selling for on eBay. So it's a really cool app from that perspective. It also shows you which cards are trending. So every day when you go into the app, it shows you the cards that are gaining the most momentum in the marketplace.
2: And I want to ask you one thing before we get into some of the you know modern, like today, immediate nuts and bolts of it. Um, The value for this, I've got to be honest, I got a Carl Yastrzemski rookie card. It doesn't fluctuate daily. Um, John Morant, he may. Um, So really for what has been driving the industry, and, you know, there's always a lag before we catch on, uh, but what's been driving the industry now for over a year is the new product, break it, get it graded, hopefully, uh, what's going on with the prices. And that does fluctuate daily, even throughout the day sometimes.
0: Yeah, it certainly can. Uh, it's pr- prices change dynamically. You're right; they change a little more for the modern cards typically than they do for the older cards because, you know, there's more happening in the modern card market in terms of the players actually, you know, playing games, so it can affect their prices more dynam- dynamically. But even with the more historical cards, we saw an incredible rise in prices for a lot of the iconic players throughout December and January and February. Now they've actually come back down a fair amount over the course of March and now into April. So there was actually even a lot of price activity with the older players. So it's always good to kind of have a sense on which way the market's trending.
3: Hey Jeff, I wanted to switch gears with you because I know you are also big on the stock market and, and uh, follow a lot of trends there. And we had some big industry news just last week with the announcement of tops, going public, uh, or the, the company that's, bu- you, you can explain that better. I know that the other company that's buying into them or their co-op and whatever, uh, can you explain that and give us your opinion on that? Of course, we just had PSA go back to private and now tops of course is going public. So what do you think on that?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, in general, I think there's a lot of new, fresh capital and a lot of new, fresh, aggressive business leadership coming into the sports card market. So when PSA went private, they went private in part so that they could take a longer term approach to uh, their technology innovation and everything like that. They got a lot of new capital infused by the group that purchased them. And of course they were bought by a group led by Nat Turner, who's a very, very successful entrepreneur and knows the sports card world extremely well. So I think that was great news for the long term. Viability of PSA as well as the card market. Now here we are again with TOPS. Now as you said, TOPS did the opposite. They went public, but they went public as part of a uh, you know company that is was led by Disney's former CEO. And of course, by going public, there's going to be more capital available to them as well. So once again, I think we're seeing another case of you know a great long-term trajectory for the card market because you got new capital coming in. New shareholders coming on board, new leadership coming in. Um, so the more activity like that that happens, it just makes me more and more bullish on the fact that cards are going to remain you know, relevant and continue to grow for a very long time. And, and we're also seeing a lot of more startup activity as well. So you know, smaller companies that are trying to start up new grading companies, new marketplaces – new fractional ownership companies that are getting funding. And I think all of that type of activity is really good for the longevity of the market. Folks,
2: this is what you get every single day at the website, the YouTube channel. This is the information you're going to get from Jeff. Uh, again, just tremendous stuff. That's why we talk about uh, Jeff and Sports Card Investor every single episode on The Collector and the Dealer. And, Jeff, uh, I kind of was having a fun time. Uh, I think it was last night I was on YouTube watching one of your videos from last uh, June or July. And you talk about the change in the marketplace. You had a video up where you had submitted to PSA through Joe in February the 45-day service, and you got cards back in five months. Now, that was a he- – whoa, it's taken five months now. If anybody got their cards back in five months, it'd still be a headline right now, except the other way, like, wow, you got your cards back. Um how is the PSA slowdown and now the shutdown, except for the top services? How is that affecting your strategy of what to rip, what to invest in, et cetera?
0: Yeah, it's 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 amazing, isn't it? And just how flooded these grading companies have become. And again, that kind of speaks to the health of the market, right? You've got so many more people now who are trying to, you know, invest in cards and send cards off for grading and everything like that that the grading companies cannot hire quickly enough to keep up. Um, I, you know, for me, honestly, I think. PSA is always going to remain king at the high end of the market. I think that if you've got a card that's worth, you know, many hundreds of dollars or certainly thousands of dollars, that card is probably best suited to go to PSA. Maybe with the exception of like a patch card that, you know, sometimes BGS can be a little more friendly with their grading system for a card that's maybe more difficult to grade. But I'd still kind of stick. To those, to those, you know, top, top uh, graders. So in terms of cards that I've got that I need to get graded, and in fact it's funny because I had just uh, dropped a bunch off to Joe to get graded immediately right before the shutdown, like literally the morning of the shutdown, because it took both of us by surprise. Um, and so those cards, most of them I'm probably just going to hold on to until PSA comes back online. Now I do think that with lower-end cards, this is a great opportunity to kind of experiment with some of the new grading companies. Uh, I know Joe has a uh, relationship now with CSG, which is, you know, the big comic book grading company that recently came onto the market. So I I think it's going to be interesting to experiment with companies like that uh, during this period, but I'm more so personally going to do it with lower end cards uh, just to kind of see how it turns out.
3: Hey, Jeff, I want to ask you to something you touched on earlier. Um, fractional ownership we've mentioned we've talked about that on the show before and i know you have a good relationship with one of the companies that's doing that and are what how are you seeing that trend in the industry because more and more people think it's a cool thing you know they can have a piece of the puzzle or a piece of the card i should say and what are you seeing in that realm right now
0: i love fractional ownership i think fractional ownership has really uh, been one of the reasons why the high end of the sports card market accelerated so much uh, during, like, you know, December, January, February, uh, and continues to remain strong today. And and I think the reason is because now there's a vehicle and mechanism for everyday investors or even newer people getting into the hobby to be able to get a piece of a really iconic high-end card, uh, but to be able to, to, to get it for a, you know, lower price point, to be able to get in. You know, someone – Someone may never be able to afford a $500,000, 86 FLIR, PSA 10, Michael Jordan, but you might be able to afford a $50 share of that card. And so, you know, these fractional ownership companies are literally taking these really high-end cards, and then they're essentially kind of turning them into shares or turning them into into coins, uh, you know, the same way that kind of cryptocurrency works. And they'll issue 10,000 shares or 10,000 coins. And then you could buy one of those and then you know the, the, the price of your share will go up and down as the price of the overall card goes up and down. So I think it's had a big positive impact on the market. I think it's gonna to continue to have a big positive impact on the market. I think people I think people will I think it gives people a vehicle for getting, you know, investing in cars that they otherwise might not have been attainable.
2: Yeah, Jeff, I, I now am owner of a 1986 FLIR box as well as a 1953 PSA 10 mantle. Now, I own a really, really, like I may own the cellophane wrapper on the box, but I do own part of that, both of those items. Um, And it really is cool because, like we were talking a few episodes ago, you know, I just try to make sure, you still have to make sure the number of shares, market cap, all that works out, but if you know i said if a 53 mantle psa 10 i could buy it for two grand heck yeah i'd buy it for two grand well i'm gonna buy two grand of it now it's a three and a half million dollar card but still that was beyond my reach it does exactly what you said i kind of got a little bit of ownership of something that i've always wanted but literally could never obtain
0: yeah it's 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 cool isn't it like i think that's i think that's an awesome thing and i think that Fractional ownership, it it makes that possible in a way that obviously would have never been possible just a couple of years ago. And there's a lot of companies coming into that space now. You know, there's uh, several of them um, from Rally Road to Otis to Collectible to Alt to the one that I invested in and support, which is called Dibs, uh, which is in in, uh, beta right now. But I think Dibs is going to be the one that really, really takes off, uh, in my opinion um and so it's you know they've got all kinds of uh all kinds of of people playing in that market now and i think it's a great thing for sports cards for the long term
2: wrapping up with jeff wilson again from sports card investor it's on youtube it's on the interweb get jeff and sports card investor wherever you can so much of it brother you download it it is free you get the app as well again sports card investor and jeff wilson
3: jeff i want to circle back uh we were talking about your app and i know that you monitor trends in the industry and a lot of our listeners love to forecast and try to look into the future and and uh predict you know where should they be putting their investing dollars in the sports card market what are you looking at next 6 months or so what do, you know what do you see trending what do you expect to be trending you know what are some recommendations from somebody who monitors this every day
0: yeah so two things i'm looking at right now so first of all um you know iconic cards so like your kobe bryant rookies your lebron james rookies your uh, you know Ken Griffey Jr. rookie cards, uh, or you can go back, you know, older to more vintage cards. A lot of those cards really escalated quickly in value in December, January, early part of February. They've come back down to earth, and I think that this is actually becoming a pretty good buy opportunity for those cards again. They're still they're, they've they've leveled off now for the most part. A lot of those cards have kind of leveled off, and they they're they're not as cheap as they were relatively speaking back at the beginning of December, but they're, they're down 30, 40, 50% from their highs uh, in early February. And we've seen this pattern before, you know, I use my market movers data software uh, to look at, uh, you know, the, the, lo- these price trends over the long term, And what you see, like w- we've seen this pattern. If you go back to like last August where iconic cards went nuts and then they all came down about 30, 40, 50%, and then they leveled off, and then they kind of stayed level for a few months, and then they started to rise again. I think we're in that plateau period for a lot of those types of cards. So I think now could actually be a pretty good time to buy again because I think you're going to start to see slow upwards movements uh, in the months ahead. Uh, the other thing that's interesting to me right now is with the basketball playoffs uh, approaching quickly, players who can make noise in the basketball playoffs. Last year, we saw guys like Donovan Mitchell, uh, Jamal Murray. Damian Lillard, wow. Yeah, yeah, Damian Lillard, exactly. Tyler Hero, all of them saw their card prices go crazy. I'm talking like double, triple during the NBA playoffs last year because they all had spectacular games and spectacular moments. And so I think if you can start to look forward to the playoffs now, uh, there could be some buying opportunity around players who could have a hot playoff run.
2: All right. We're going to wrap up, Jeff, and I'm just going to lay one on you. I didn't – everybody listening, I didn't prep Jeff for this. Let's see what he can give us. Um, Shote Otani. Uh, uh, Shohei Otani. I have never been scared off from a guy more because of an elbow injury because I was like, this can affect both reasons he's valuable. Um, and so I got to admit, I kind of ran away from the fire – and I know that folks who, you know, when you get the highest margin, the highest return is probably folks who ran towards the fire. Um, where do you sit with uh, Shohei Otani right now? Because um, it's a relatively recent card that people would want, only from a few, uh, three years ago. Um, and it's a, it's it's attainable in high grade. Uh, and how attainable is it price-wise?
0: Yeah, so uh, Shohei Otani's absolutely been one of the stories of this year's Major League Baseball season. Hot as can possibly be. Um, So I was, I was investing in Shohei Otani before last season. I was optimistic that he was going to come back from his injury and have a pretty good season last season. That didn't really turn out to be the case. The injury bug, you know, continued to ride him last season. Finally, it's this season that he seems to be, you know, really showing really living up to his potential and and his prices have been escalating like crazy as a result. Um, You know, he was, Shohei Otani was like the hottest card in the sports card hobby, back in 2018, like people, baseball card collectors, tops chrome, were, yeah, they were chasing this guy like crazy when his rookie cards came out. But then, of course, the Tommy John, the injuries, missing the better part of two seasons, his his cards have cooled off. But just to give you some perspective, his 2018 tops and tops chrome cards in PSA 10, both of them sit right sit right around the same price at the beginning of February those cards were both sitting right around 43, 45, $41. You could buy them both kind of in that low $40 range. And we're talking 60 days ago, they were both around $40. As of right now, those cards are up at 250 to $300. So, we have literally seen his card prices go 6x over the course of the last sixty days, from his performance. Uh,
2: okay, right now Joe's thinking, "All right, where's my Topps Chrome 2018 box? Where is that?" <laughs> you got uh, to go. sold the- them all, unfortunately. <laughs> Jeff, that is the kind of information. Uh, like I said, I was just going to lay one on you, see what you have, because every single morning when I watch Quick Pitch on uh, MLB Network, I'm like, "Yep, there he is." Should have kept my cards. Um, and it's just really great insight. Like I said, and the prices, and the, you know, just within the sixty days, and that's the type of information you can get, folks from the app, the YouTube channel, everywhere else. Uh, Jeff, let folks know how to get in touch with you again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. SportsCardInvestor.com is a great place to start. We're posting new articles there every single day about the sports card hobby. And then you can also follow us on YouTube at SportsCardInvestor. And that app in the app store that's free is called, of course, card Investor.
2: All right, friend, we will do it again soon. Appreciate your time, brother. All right, thanks a lot. Talk to you guys soon. Take care. Jeff Wilson from card Investor. All right, that's going to wrap up the first half of this episode of The Collector and the Dealer. We will be back and talk vintage next. I told you we're here because of support from Oxygen Financial. They're a sponsor of The Collector and the Dealer, but where my wife and I are, that's also in part thanks to Oxygen Financial. We have been personal clients of Oxygen for several years now, and originally it was for help with our taxes, looking to pay what we're supposed to, but not more And we had been paying more for years, actually, it turned out. With Oxygen's help, that immediately changed for the better. And my wife and I decided, let's see what Oxygen thinks of our investments and overall strategy. Well, three years later, after making that choice, I can tell you we breathe easier when it comes to the market than at any time before getting with Oxygen Financial. And that's including the current issues all of us everywhere are dealing with. If you might have a question about where you and your family are, any at all, take the step we did and visit OxygenFinancial.com. You can get a free copy of Oxygen's 21-Day Budget Cleanse, Breathe Easier About Life.
1: Visit OxygenFinancial.com. A popular thought in the sports card world is that there's two camps those that love the hobby and those that profit from the industry. Thanks to Sports Card Investor, you can do both. Jeff Wilson has built his Sports Card Investor YouTube channel and his personal website, sportscardinvestor.com, so that if you're a beginner looking to flip cards for cash or a returning veteran to the hobby wanting to make sure you get the best deals ahead of any emerging price trends, Sports Card Investor is for you. Sports Card Investor, the leading source for videos, podcasts, and articles about investing in sports cards. Profit from the hobby you love by visiting SportsCardInvestor.com. Welcome back to the Collector and the Dealer. I want to thank Jeff Wilson
2: again from Sports Card Investor for lending us a few minutes of his time today uh, to talk the industry, specific cards, etc. But now, Joe, let's get in the Delorean. We're going to head back. Um, We always talk vintage uh, and sometimes even pre-war in this part of the episode, but I want to talk auctions, okay, and not cards mostly, but autographs, jerseys, et cetera, because um, I want to start, first of all, for anyone ever thinking about bidding on an item in an auction, I got to say education, and it's not just about that specific item. Um, but about the specific terms that auction houses and 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 other bidders, et cetera, you got to learn the language. You need some education before you can ever think about clicking that mouse, Joe. That's my opinion.
3: Yep, agreed. Um, there's uh, so much fraud that goes on, and so the auction houses have to do such a great job of screening what comes in. And I always encourage buyers to stick with buying stuff that's PSA DNA certified or JSA or. Beckett certified you just got to be so careful especially you know on the there's there's a plethora of bad autos out there bad jerseys etc
2: yeah and some of the even the terms that they you know even when someone is being transparent if you don't understand the term if you're you know new to the game um, I found out game used versus game issued that is a way different jersey yeah yeah, exactly. Uh they also you they also have something know, called player issued which it could have been for like a photo op uh in a studio somewhere without even wearing like a full baseball uniform just him in a jersey that was player issued. I mean, you really have to pay attention to the terms.
3: Yeah, you definitely if you want the best of the best, you want to go with game used, not game issued, not player issued. It, it you want to know that they actually used it in an MLB game. You know, not not at a, you know, not at a charity event, but you know, actually in a real game.
2: Also, uh, this is something that is a little bit of an eye-opener, especially in modern times, and I say over the last probably 20 years because the percentage has gone so high, Joe. Um, time was that if you won an item in an auction, you know they're going to tack on whatever it was, 10%, 11, 11.9. Um, and then there's also a hammer fee that a lot of times they would charge the consigner, the person who owned the item, like 10%. So the auction house make money on both sides. Well, the consigner has a lot of, uh, of a berth to negotiate based on how popular an item will be. Um, but a buyer, it's now 19 or 20%, not unusual at all, and that can seriously affect the price of the item.
3: Yeah, you got to be very aware of that. I mean, I bid in a lot of auctions, whether it's Golden or Huggins and Scott, different ones. And yeah, you've gotta, you got to you got to keep that in mind because you you know you, you you say well I'll pay a thousand dollars for that, and you're like actually you're ready to pay twelve hundred for it, you know, because by the time it's said and then you're shipping on top of it. So yeah, you could literally be at depending on the weight of the item, yeah. you may be adding twenty five percent to the cost of of your of what you're actually bidding.
2: And there was something that you had mentioned um, a couple of uh, answers ago. You had mentioned the reputation, basically what you're relying on in a lot of cases, the reputation of the auction house. Um, And I know Huggins and Scott as well. Um, I have bought a few items from collect auctions um, and I'm just stating facts, folks. I'm not endorsing anybody. Um, It is up to, what is it? Caveat (laughs) emptor. It's on you, man. Uh, It's on you. Make sure you know who you're doing business with Joe, but, um, I have found that in in addition to kind of educating myself and wanting to research specific items before I bid, you want to know the market and what's sold, et cetera, and they'll provide a lot of that for you. It really comes down. I've realized it's at least fifty one percent the auction house who you're dealing with as much as the item that you're wanting to win.
3: Yeah, because um, yeah, right now I can tell you, like, golden auctions is really trending nationally and some of the prices they have been getting man it's been staggering you know it was golden that got the sales for the 286 clear jordan psa 10 same night and so sometimes you know you can get carried away and so you're like just because an auction house is really good at marketing which they are and really good at getting their name out there doesn't mean it's a bargain you know i mean sometimes it may be the opposite i mean we we have uh a friend shared with me recently, something that sold in their auction for, I'm ballparking this for like $2,000. It was some un- unopened boxes. And he was like, man, the same boxes are on eBay for 500, you know, but there was so much activity. So, you know, it, it's up to the buyer to do the research, you know, d- don't assume you're, you're getting a bargain. Uh, you, you've got to do your research. So.
2: Yeah, Just because somebody else is bidding, they could be kind of off kilter as well. Last thing I want to ask you about, um, and this is for more sort of say condition inclusive collectors uh, because you know if you're going to bid on like a helmet Tom Brady won in the super war in a Super Bowl um, that's thousands and thousands and thousands hundreds of thousands of dollars um, for the lower end of the wallet like me um, are auctions a good place for starter sets partial sets etc just from a collector standpoint or even a dealer standpoint, have you ever seen like a, a stack of 62 green tents and you're like, you know what? I can parcel these out some to PSA, some to the common, some to the showcase, some to, you know, whatever. Have you, have you ever purchased lots or do you have any opinion on purchasing lots or starter sets from auctions?
3: Yeah, I actually have done that years ago. I think it was back in the day, like Mastro auctions way back in the day. I bought a huge lot of, uh, like mid seventies, uh, you know, it was like um, uh, dairy. I think there was a uh, these little lids from uh, you know, ice cream, you know, companies, and all these various food, oh, pet ice cream. Yeah. yeah, and uh, so it made huge lots of, uh, you know, it would be like the uh, uh, Slurpee discs, uh, just all kind of stuff Burger like that. Burger Chef and discs like- and RC Cola cans and. Yeah, I mean, just and it was like 100 sets of this and 40 sets of this and 100 count lot of there were some of the old uh, San Diego Padres team issue sets that had a uh, Winfield rookie in it and stuff like that. So I've done well with that, breaking them down, Um, especially, yeah, sometimes the starter sets, which are not as popular as the complete sets are you can make some money there with some of them if you can buy it break it down sell the stars off individually and so forth so there's definitely opportunities there i do always love to peruse the catalogs and go yeah there's opportunity there and so i, I often when i have time i often bid in a met a lot of the major auction house things you know how much i win is much smaller but i do participate for sure
2: yes and, and i'll remind everybody joe included so when i have time which is not now uh um, he would be online bidding on some of those all right oh my goodness joe buys a box it's time for joe buys a box every episode just before the weekend joe's gonna look up the shelf take something down he's gonna tell us what he's gonna rip how much it's gonna cost what he could find inside joe what do you got this week
3: this week, I'm going affordable, Chuck. So like I'm going with the brand new 2021 Tops 10s. The little small collector's 10. They have different players pictured on them. Uh, there are about 75 cards per 10. The big hook is they've got exclusive Chrome 60 years of Tops inserts. So you may get an Akuna designed on a 62 Tops card in a Chrome finish. So, really beautiful cards. They've also got. Um, some 1952 tops. They're called Redux cards. Uh, there's both a chrome card and five oh, yeah. regular tops versions in each one. So really fun for for a price point around thirty five dollars. It's a it's a fun rip with a lot of cool inserts.
2: Got to imagine they have been popular because of the raw number of cards. And and you can still get whatever the insert parallels whatever of the main set, but you get that specific insert card, right? Yes. All correct. right. Well, for my vintage set of the week, brought to you by Oxygen Financial. OxygenFinancial.com, breathe easy, folks. I certainly do. Joe, I am going about as 1970s Topps football as it gets. The 76 Topps football set, it is popular, uh, mostly because it's got a Walter Payton rookie in it, and it is a great, great, great-looking card of sweetness. Oh, my goodness. It's one of the best-looking rookie cards for for that era of tops that anybody will see. It's also got um, Manster in there, Randy White. It's got Jack Lambert. It's got a slew, of Hall of Stallback, and Bradshaw and all of them. Yeah. Um, but there are no logos. Um, they do a real good job of trying to get as you know tight face shot as possible so somebody wouldn't have a helmet on. And even if they do, they don't see the side of it. Um, it looks like 70s tops football, most of them. Uh, but for some reason, I just really like that set and it's not gargantuan expensive either. I mean, the Peyton will run you obviously, but the rest of the set, I bet the Peyton costs five times as much as everything else combined.
3: Yeah, he is definitely the key. And yeah, that is one of my all-time favorite football cards and, uh, of him and that set, it, you know, that was the first year I bought football cards too. And so it's uh, a lot of childhood memories and, um, uh, You're right. It is affordable. I mean, there's one to buy your starter set on. Buy your starter set without the Peyton. You can own the whole set for uh, minus Peyton, probably for a couple hundred dollars, I would think.
2: No doubt at all. All right, folks, that's going to wrap up this episode of The Collection of the Data. Be back in seven days with more card talk.
1: consultation.